Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. to understand, but that was uh, the video that emerged last night that uh, set off uh, a bit of a uh, furor at the uh, NATO summit in London. So that the, the voice you hear most clearly in that is Justin Trudeau. Our prime minister. Now, this is one of the the so-called pool cameras that was still on last night. This was uh, kind of a reception at Buckingham Palace. Uh, so the NATO leaders are, are gathering for, I guess, kind of a cocktail party at, at the end uh, of a day, a long day at this NATO summit. So you have uh, in a circle, amongst others, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and uh, France's President Emmanuel Macron. Now, they appear to be discussing, and I guess that was confirmed by Justin Trudeau today, U.S. President Donald Trump, who was not part of this gathering. I'm not sure where he was at the moment this was going on. Uh, it's interesting, too, that I think Boris Johnson is perceived to be more uh, of an ally of, of Donald Trump, and yet he was in this uh, little gossip circle, too. I mean, it was nothing too uh, scandalous that was said, but it does involve these leaders kind of chatting about the U.S. president behind his back. Uh, there was a question about, is that why you were so late? And Justin Trudeau appears to be uh, making a comment on uh, how, uh, rather how Donald Trump's uh, press conference kind of went on and on and on. Uh, and then Justin Trudeau appears to make reference to something that Donald Trump had said in that press conference uh, that, in his words, caused Trump's advisors' jaws to drop. So, like I say, all things considered, uh, this wasn't exactly the worst behind-the-back sort of insult. But at the same time, I think for somebody like Donald Trump, even just the fact that he's being talked about, kind of laughed about behind his back, uh, is probably going to cut right to the core of him uh, and his own insecurities and what gets him so upset. He's probably in a rather foul mood about all of this today. And in fact, uh, that was kind of obvious uh, in his comments today. Did you have a video of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau talking about you last Well, he's too fast. Too nice. And honestly, with Trudeau, he's a nice guy. I, I find him to be a very nice guy. But, you know, the truth is that uh, I called him out on the fact that he's not paying 2%. And I guess he's not very happy about it. I mean, you were there. A couple of you were there. And uh, he's not paying 2%. And he should be paying 2%. It's Canada. They have money. And they should be paying 2%. So I called him out on that. And I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. But that's the way it is. Look, I'm representing the U.S. And... He should be paying more than he's paying, and he understands it. So I can imagine I can imagine he's not that happy, but that's the way it is. Uh, so following that, uh, the U.S. president announced that he would be canceling his post-summit news conference and would be departing earlier than expected back to Washington, D.C. Uh, more of a recap on all of this. Uh, Mike Ligatour is covering the NATO summit for Global News. Canada-U.S. relations are once again in the spotlight as President Donald Trump called Prime Minister Justin Trudeau two-faced. The comments came after the president learned a video from Tuesday night showing Trudeau in a group with French President Emmanuel Macron and British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, along with other dignitaries at Buckingham Palace. No one mentions the U.S. president by name, but it seems the group is commiserating about their meetings with Donald Trump earlier on Tuesday. 
Today, Trump added that he thinks Trudeau is a nice guy, but he believes the Prime Minister wasn't happy because he called out Canada for not meeting its NATO goal of spending 2% of GDP on defence. Trudeau responded by saying the relationship between the two countries goes beyond the leaders, adding one lesson he takes away from this is to keep the focus on the substantive issues that were discussed at the meetings. Michael Couture, Global News, Watford, England. All right. So today, Justin Trudeau was uh, addressing all of this. I did, there's no avoiding it for him at this point. Uh, it was a big deal last night, not just a big story in Canada, a big story in the United States, uh, even in the UK. It got a lot of attention. Uh, apparently, Boris Johnson uh, has been trying to avoid Donald Trump at this summit because, of course, they got uh, an election coming up next week in the UK. Uh, and perhaps Boris Johnson's worried about seeming a little too close to to Donald Trump. Uh, That certainly wasn't what he was doing last night. Uh, But really, it's kind of become about Justin Trudeau because he's the one that we hear most clearly on this video. And again, I mean, you know, given the fact that uh, we've got a a bilateral relationship with the U.S., whether it comes to to military, intelligence sharing, uh, trade, right? We got a lot of important issues with the Americans at the moment. I'm not sure that this this helps matters. Here's what the prime minister had to say today about all of this. Prime Minister, this morning when you approached President Trump before the meeting, did you apologize to him for your remarks last night at Buckingham Palace? And if so, what was his response? We had uh, a great meeting yesterday uh, between uh, uh, me and the president. We talked about the kinds of things that uh, really matter to Canadians, whether it's how we've been moving forward on NATO, uh, whether the uh, the progress being made in NAFTA is going to continue, uh, which we're confident it will. Uh, we talked about the challenges of China, and we also uh, uh, talked about a few things. Uh, last night I made a reference to the fact that uh, there was an unscheduled press conference uh, before my meeting with uh, President Trump and I was happy to take part of it, uh, but it was certainly notable and I've had a number of good conversations with the President over the course of this uh, this uh, this day and yesterday. I told uh, President Macron and Prime Minister Johnson that you saw Trump's team of advisors jaws drop yesterday. What were you referring to? What was it that caused that surprise Uh, among them? We were all uh, surprised and I think pleased to learn that the next G7 will be uh, at Camp David. Uh, I think that was an unscheduled announcement and uh, uh, I think everyone's team, uh, every different leader has teams who every now and then uh, have uh, their jaws drop at uh, unscheduled surprises like uh, that video itself, for example. Prime Minister Lee Berthume, Canadian Press. What value did you see for Canada in talking about President Trump behind his back that way? I think uh, we recognize that uh, there are, uh, as we talk to uh, G7 leaders, an interest in where the next G7 uh, meeting is going to be. Uh, And I was pleased to share with them uh, the story of how that came about, that we are uh, going to be gathering apparently in uh, Camp David in, uh, in uh, in the coming year for the G7 meeting. And how do you respond to those who say you may have jeopardized USMCA, other bilateral relations with the U.S. with your comments, and will you be more careful in the future? Uh, The relationship we have with the United States uh, is uh, an extraordinarily important and effective one. Uh, We have renegotiated uh, NAFTA to be a a better deal for Canadians, for Americans, and for Mexicans. Uh, We're moving forward on military collaborations. We're uh, working together on the world stage on a broad range of things. And uh, the relationship between Canada and the United States is extremely strong. Uh, And I have a very good relationship with President Trump and his team. 
Well, okay, I, I'm not so sure that's that's totally accurate, but uh, fair enough. I guess at least Trudeau is is acknowledging uh, and and owning this. Uh, but how much damage was done here? I mean, the good news on the USMCA or the CUSMA, whatever you want to call it, the new NAFTA, is that Trump seems pretty desperate to get this done. In fact, the, they just offered a pretty big concession to the Mexicans this week uh, in order to ensure that this gets completed. So I think on trade, they're looking for a win. Uh, so they've got their own vested interest in getting this deal done. So I think at least in that sense, that bodes well. But sure, certainly when it comes to China... For example, the situation with the two Canadians, uh, the two Michaels being detained by the Chinese government, uh, we very much need the U.S. on our sides. And certainly having a president with a willingness to address these matters with China's leadership, I think, is pretty important right now. Uh, so I think, unfortunately, for Trudeau, this is all the takeaway from this summit. The fact that Canada was called out on its defense spending uh, and the fact now that... Um, it was barely talking about the U.S. president behind his back. Not really what you would call a successful summit, I wouldn't think. Now, the thing is, and we'll talk more about it coming a little bit, a little bit later on, that this 2% target is a target that NATO countries have agreed to reach by 2024. So we're still five years away from that. Now, whether we're actually going to get to that level of defense spending by 2024 is a different question. Um, But again, it's something that NATO countries are aspiring to reach by a certain point, and we're not there yet. The idea that we've missed some kind of a deadline is not accurate. And obviously, even though Trump keeps referring to it as payments, as though we're giving money to the U.S. or giving money to NATO, it's obviously a target based on how much countries are spending on their own military. Uh, So payments are the wrong way to describe it. Uh, but it is true. We're not at that 2% target. Whether we're going to get there by 20, uh, 2024 is an open question. So we'll talk a bit more about the fallout from all of this uh, and some of the issues around defense spending. They, look, it shouldn't just be the Americans who are concerned. I think Canadians should be concerned. We don't want to be uh, leaving our defense to somebody else. We don't want to be, uh, you know, taking uh, uh, being freeloaders here. Right. So we need to step up and we need to take some responsibility for defending our own sovereignty. The fact that we've got a, a relationship with a superpower like the United States is obviously very much to our benefit. I think the lesson is always one that this is uh, an important meeting in which uh, we had uh, significant achievements in unity, in thoughtful approaches to the future of NATO, uh, where we came out strong and united, uh, and uh, to endeavor to keep the focus on uh, the substantive issues that were discussed and uh, the positive news that we move forward is something that we're all going to try to do a little harder. Now, I somehow doubt that anybody looking back on this NATO summit is going to associate the words significant achievement with the words Justin Trudeau. Now, even if we don't focus on this kind of behind the scenes drama, uh, the, the actual substance of this this summit isn't all that good for Justin Trudeau either. I mean, it's just served to to underscore the fact that we're not where we need to be when it comes to spending on our own defense, on our own military. And it's kind of been an embarrassing reminder of that for this prime minister. So we've got some, yes, substantive issues, if you want to call it that. But those issues don't reflect well on Canada either. So really, for all intents and purposes, kind of a summit to forget for the prime minister. Joining us for some further thoughts on all of this, very pleased to welcome to the program our friend Matt Gurney. He's a columnist of the National Post, nationalpost.com. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome to the program. 
I want to tell you it's great to be here because it is always nice <laughs> well, to talk to you. Thank but you. haven't you and I had variations of this conversation like ten times before? I mean, I bet you, yeah. and this is me being cynical, I admit this, I bet you if you task one of those crack producers of yours to go back through uh, the, the audio files you would have of our previous conversations, you could probably grab a couple of them and maybe with no edits at all, just play them, and the listeners would not realize it was an old conversation because we never, ever make any progress on this issue. No, it's, yeah, it seems that way. I mean, just in terms of, of what we're now dealing with today, uh, in terms of some of the fallout, uh, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I think this is going to be a, a summit to forget for, for the prime minister. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a weird issue, right? Because the actual crux of it objectively isn't that big of a deal you know but you know for for the listeners who who are just joining us uh the prime minister yesterday in in buckingham palace of all places was at a reception with the other nato leaders and there was a camera running the prime minister didn't realize it and he and the prime minister of the united kingdom and the president of france were gossiping about donald trump and whatever the british pm and the french president were saying isn't clear. Their backs are to the camera, but the prime minister is dead on to the camera, and everything he said virtually was completely clear. And he is mocking Donald Trump, not in a huge way, right. nothing you know unprintable, but he, he's given he's given the president a hard time. And the video went viral. The president obviously heard about it at a press conference this morning in London, where the NATO leaders are meeting. The president goes. Yeah, well, Justin, he's two-faced. And then, you know, basically the president declares he's leaving the summit early, he's taking his ball and going home. It's all kind of a petty issue when you look at it this way. Like, it's not the finest hour for either Trudeau or Trump, but it comes at a time, Rob, where we are completely reliant on the United States and its goodwill, more so than normal. Mm -hmm. It was just five days ago that I wrote, you know, before any of this happened, I wrote a column about how Washington was demanding Canada step up and spend properly on national defense. As you well know, I'm no fan of Donald Trump. I've been a critic of him before he even won the Republican nomination. But I got to be fair. I got to call a spade a spade. This is the one issue that Donald Trump has been consistently right on. The allies dramatically underspend on national defense, and Canada is a particularly bad example of that. So he's dead to rights on this. He is completely accurate. And Trudeau goes out and gets on his bad side, in the middle of the U.S., wrapping our knuckles about our military commitments. But it's worse even than that. Canada has been dependent on the U.S. for military protection since the Second World War, arguably even before the Second World War, right? It's not great, and it's tiresome, but it's not new. Canada right now is counting on the U.S. to get two specific things done for us, over and above the fact that they have basically been our protector for 75 years. We're counting on them to get the new NAFTA deal passed, which is apparently really, really, really close. And we're counting on them to have our backs in our ongoing standoff with China. These are some of the issues that the prime minister and the president have supposedly been working on. You know, there was a Canadian delegation in Washington just a couple of days ago to get the new NAFTA deal going. 
apparently at the NATO summit in London, the Canadian and U.S. delegations were talking about how to deal with China. These are the important issues we need to be focused on, but we're not anymore because the prime minister went and badmouthed the president of the United States directly in front of a live camera. Right. And I mean, look, Donald Trump is the kind of person that, um, you know, he's he's likely to react irrationally to that. And, you know, wh- you know, if people want to, to fault him for being that way, it, it is how he is. And, and certainly I would think Justin Trudeau would be well aware of that. You'd think, you'd hope. And like, again, like this is, to be clear, like this is not me saying this is all 100% the prime minister's fault. It was dumb what he did. I don't mean, I don't think anyone is pretending that it was not a stupid mistake. But yeah, we should acknowledge the fact that if this was almost any other president in recorded history, maybe with the exception of Lyndon Johnson, because he had a bit of a temper, but within any recent presidential memory, there have always been embarrassing incidents between presidents and allied leaders, including sometimes Canadian prime ministers. But there was always an understanding that the overall relationship would be okay, because you would trust the president of the United States and you would trust the Canadian prime minister to kind of go, oh, ooh, that's awkward. That's embarrassing. But the alliance comes first. The relationship between the two countries, which has been one of the most successful and prosperous and necessary alliances in the history of diplomacy, is more important than the egos of the people who are involved. I don't think anyone can say that that is how Donald Trump in particular will view this issue. Mm -hmm. It's just not the way he's programmed. And we can lament that, we can complain about it, we can regret it, but the one thing we cannot do is be surprised by it. The prime minister of this country needs to know better. He didn't. Well, in terms of that relationship, because uh, there's there's the bilateral Canada-U.S. defense relationship, and there's then there's the NATO alliance, which, from Canada's perspective, you know, kind of flows from that. They're they're all related in a way. And as as you said earlier, uh, the Americans, and and this will be an issue even once Donald Trump is no longer president, have a concern with the perception that Canada is a bit of a freeloader here. So even though Donald Trump likes to frame it as as payments to NATO, which is a weird way of of framing it, yeah, we're not wrong. where we need right. We're we're not where we need to be, and and Canadians should be concerned about that. Not just Americans, Canadians should be concerned. How far off are we, in your view, Matt? And then this gets to some of what you wrote about in your column from where we need to be when it comes to to picking up the slack. Yeah, that's actually a great question, and I'm actually going to complicate it a little bit more even than you have because you you noted the two facets of our alliance with the United States, but I'm actually I'm going to add a third one. I'm going to further complicate this. The first one you said in your bang on is that we in the United States, just between the two of us, have alliances and agreements to protect North America. Mostly that means, you know, patrolling the coasts, uh, patrolling the Arctic, you know, with we share because of Alaska and, and uh, the Northern Territories, and also obviously patrolling our airspace. We are not pulling our weight in any of those domains. We do not have enough aircraft to patrol our northern air approaches. We do not have enough aircraft to have domestic security inside of our country. And we don't have a big enough fleet to patrol the coasts. We are completely incompetent when it comes to actually securing our uh, northern areas. So we're completely dropping the ball on this. The other one you mentioned, obviously, was NATO. Canada is currently having some moderate contributions to NATO. We are are leading a 
a battle group in Eastern Europe to keep the Russians out, which is something that sounds like it's right out of the 1980s, but here we are. Um, we have committed uh, an extra ship and a handful of planes to NATO uh, defense of Europe. T- token contributions, but they're there. But again, yeah, we're not really pulling our weight at all. For a G7 country with a $2 trillion GDP, we've come up with a ship and half a dozen planes. Come on. The third element, and it's the one I'm going to add to you here, is the intelligence sharing agreements, not Mm -hmm. just between Canada and the United States directly, but the so-called Five Eyes, uh, Canada, United States, Britain, Australia, and New Zealand. People don't understand this relationship as much. It's not as well known or understood as the other ones, but it is also incredibly vital. And Canada has had, of late, some very high-profile failures in this. We had a couple of years ago that lieutenant in the Navy who was uh, reading all the communications and passing it on to the Russians. We recently had an RCMP senior official get arrested. We don't really know the details of what that was, but the reporting has suggested that compromised allied security. We are not a major contributor to the intelligence gathering uh, of the uh, Five Eyes Alliance. And just a few days ago, the United States warned us, if we don't get our act together and ban Huawei technology from our communication networks, the Americans are going to start cutting us out of the loop because they won't think that we're a secure partner. So these are three different elements of our relationship, our security relationship with the United States. And in every case, we're screwing it up. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm a guy who's reflects, reflectively siding against my country here. As you know, I'm a very proud Canadian and whatnot. But the facts are the facts. Canada is not living up even to the standard we have set for ourselves. This is not about the Americans making unreasonable demands and us getting our backs up. We have made commitments to the Americans through NORAD. We've made commitments to NATO. We have obvious obligations to our Five Eyes partners to, at the very least, keep our own house in order. We are objectively failing to meet all of these targets. As a Canadian, this bothers me. I want to live in a country that lives up to its end of the bargain. Why do I feel so alone in that? I don't know. Uh, Now, it would be interesting, uh, well, it will be interesting to see in the coming years, because we do have some big procurement projects coming online, uh, so we'll be splashing out some money, and it might make some of these numbers look a little bit better, but I I don't think that really fixes the underlying issue here, does it? No, it doesn't. And the thing that bothers me, and I I was talking about this with someone earlier, we have massively underfunded our military for generations, right? And when you talk about this, as I know you have, you've done it on the show, you've done it in columns, you've, you've done it online, like you're, you're one of the guys fighting the good fight on this one, and I'm grateful for your help on this. But what it really comes down to is that how many times has someone said to you, oh, who's going to attack Canada, or who are we going to be yeah. at war with? I mean, it's, it's the constant dismissal reply to what I always say is that when I got up for breakfast on a beautiful September Tuesday 18 years ago, if you had asked me over cornflakes if I thought by the end of the day we would be involved in a decade-long ground war in Central Asia, I would have told you no. Mm -hmm. But then guess what? Some planes flew into the World Trade Center, and the next thing we know, Canada, as a member of NATO, is at war in Afghanistan. We have a world today where emergencies, where crises, where um, international uh, situations can develop 
in weeks, days, sometimes in hours, but we have a military procurement system that delivers equipment on a time scale, literally, of decades. Where if we ordered new warships today, I would say, like, I mean, I mean, literally, if we said, this is the one we've chosen, we've chosen the shipyard, here's the check, get building them, <sighs> 10 years yeah. would be an optimistic goal for delivery. When you add in kind of the mandatory Canadian delays, we would probably get them in 15, 20 years. Our CF-18 fighters are late 1970s vintage. We bought ours in the early 1980s, but the technology, the actual jet itself, dates back basically to the 70s. Best case scenario today to replacing those jets, I would say now, realistically, has got to be in the 2030s. So if we find ourselves at war tomorrow, which, to state the obvious, I hope we don't, how long would it take us to actually bulk up the military? 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Well, Matt, we'll leave it there. I always appreciate uh, the insight and the conversation. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Always happy to come cheer you up. There you go. Appreciate that, Matt. Matt Gurney, columnist, National Post. NationalPost.com, and he's got a piece up this afternoon uh, on this whole bit of business uh, with Trudeau at this NATO summit. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter, at Rob Breckenridge. You can email me, rob at 770CHQR.com. Talk to you next time. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.